Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Andrew Donovan Chagas can Turk on the National Beef Welfare Scheme and the introduction of IBR testing. A further reminder about the fertilizer database registration requirement. Also, Noel Barden with an overview of farmer attitudes published in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. The Bantry Agricultural Show is taking place on Sunday, 20th of August. Chairman, Mr. Danny Collins. My own role as, as um, chairman of Bantry Agricultural Show, this is my fifth year now as chairman. I'll be quite honest, I'm, I'm very lucky to have a great team of workers behind me as, as, as secretary and chairperson. Um, Treasurer and the committee members and the volunteers on the day and the people who go selling tickets. But look, um, our, our big really thing to get out there this year is that we've brought forward the Bantry Agricultural Show there a couple of weeks there this this year. This year, our new date is um, next Sunday, the 20th of August. This free, this date came free this year. So we've decided to go with the 20th of August. Um, look, we're hoping like it'll bring extra tourists and visitors to the show, but also, like, you know, our date really was hitting at a time where um, school children were going back to school, like we'd say on the following Monday. And like we thought maybe we'd like, you know, it was hard and parents come out and, you know, spend that extra few pounds and have their kids go to school the following day. So this gives them a bit of a break in between. And like, to be quite honest, too, they'll be tired going to school the following morning after, you know, what, what, what we have, we do have lined up every year. And in recent years, there has been a trend towards the scarcity of volunteer workers. But I believe, uh, Bantry Agricultural Show, you've been very fortunate insofar as the younger people and people indeed uh, right across all ages have been offering their volunteer services. I understand that you are recognising the contribution of volunteer workers right across all age brackets. Well, from all age brackets, I'd be quite honest, John, um, our oldest member of the show, who, who will be down um, next week um, preparing for the show, is 94 years old. And we, from 94 down to, we'd say, down to 8 or 10 or 12-year-olds on the day, who will be helping in a different way, you know, whether it's inside the arts and crafts room or it's, um, we'd say, setting the booklets on the day. Or, but even on the week of the show, like, there's a lot of work goes into it. Like, you know, there's a lot of lads who, who come out, like, who, who may not come to meetings, but... Come out and help us prepare the field. Like um, yesterday, now the silage was cut off the field, and like that, like that, that, that was that's the major thing to be done for us. And like um, we, we must thank um, um, Birgit Wagner of Raw Pharmaceuticals who give us the fine um, the, where we hold the, the the show every year at beaches um, down at the airstrip. Like you know, we do have a, a lovely site right beside Bantry Bay, looking out of Bantry Bay. Like as I've stated before, we're the only show in Ireland where you can travel by road or travel by boat. And we, we do have a ferry service, which will be an operation from um, just below Super Value from early morning, from about half past, between 12 and half past, all day up to, to 5 or 6 o'clock that evening. But um, also we will be, as usual, having the usual shuttle bus system, which will be running from the square in Bantry and also from the um, Bantry Business Park at the Manway side of Bantry, um, there'll be car parking there and there'll be a shuttle bus system from there. So I would urge people try to use the, the shuttle bus system as, and the boat as much as possible because, um, you know, our road leading up down to the show is 
quite narrow. And, you know, with entries coming and we need horses and cattle and ponies and all kinds of entries. Like, you know, you know, traffic can build up at times, you know, during the day. But can you confirm if uh, horses, cattle, sheep and uh, poultry will be on show, will be on exhibition? Horses, ponies, sheep, um, poultry, cattle, donkeys, arts and crafts, dogs. We have um, a dog show. We also have dog and terrier racing. But um, we have it, like, be honest, for, for, for everyone, all types of um, animal lovers. And, like, you know, we have much more as well on the day. We have a fun fair. Um, um, we also have the, the live music. We, we'll have live music with them from Derry Kennedy and Martin Carney. So there'll be people out waltzing and dancing. We'll, we'll have the dance floor out this year. Plus also afterwards, we, we'll have um, the band called Music Makers who'll, 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 who'll finish off the show with us. With, and we're, we're hopefully, we're, 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 the, we're the show organisers and whatnot can, can, you know, relax a little bit and, uh, towards the end of the evening. Um, there's also a competition for the best dressed lady and gent of the day. So there are nice prizes for that as well. So, like, um, like to be quite honest, we are, uh, in the morning, early in the morning, Skull Ring to Kearney, which are a lovely Irish dancing group. They will be there at about one o'clock um, performing and their, 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 what's called it, their lovely dances. So, like, you know, it's a day for the family and um, for young and old, all ages. A magnificent uh, shop window for all of the very best that still exists in rural Ireland. The very best, you know, like, you know, you, you go into any of our, we'd say, like, the, the, the arts and crafts, like, you go in there, like we say, that that's mainly um, the judging and that is done on the Saturday prior to the show. And, like, you have the best exhibits from with the brown cakes, the currant cakes, who are, who are made homemade, like, where, um, plus, then you'll have different classes, we say, of, we say potatoes and onions, homegrown, like, you know, people like to come and show off their produce, like, and, you know, it's a great credit, like, you know, it's like, it is dying out a little bit. A lot of people don't grow their own, but, like, it's, grow their own um, food or bake their own cakes, but there's still people out there who love to do it. And uh, they are, especially during COVID, a lot of people got back into it again. And we could see that last year with, with the extra entries that did come in, like from prior to other years. We have um, Blacksmith there from, from um, Mallow side, um, two gentlemen are coming down doing a Blacksmith um, um, exhibition. And like, you know, we try to do the best we can for the people, like, you know, to, to run a show so large as in um, Bantry Agricultural Show, it takes a lot of money, and like I will say, our sponsors, Fair Play. I was out again, um, again yesterday, and there was no bother like of opening up the checkbook. And I like these are the local businesses. Plus, our main sponsors, of course. I, I, I'm not going to go to who, but because in case I leave out any, but they know who they are. But like only for them, Bantry Agricultural Show would not go ahead every year. It's on Sunday at the 20th of August. Sunday to 20th of August. At down in Beaches Bantry, down at the airstrip, as we all know it here in Bantry, Sunday the 20th of August. I would just state that at the earlier date of, of other years, but and we'll see how it goes. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Danny Collins of Bantry Agricultural Show. Thank you. The Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science, Simon Harris, has announced the launch of two new farming apprenticeships, the Farm Manager Apprenticeship and the Farm Technician Apprenticeship. There will be a range of farm enterprises eligible for successful farm apprentices to be employed, including the cattle, dairy, pigs, poultry, tillage and sheep sectors. IFA Farm Family and Social Affairs Chair 
Alice Doyle has welcomed the announcement by Minister Charlie McConnellogue of a new scheme to help towards the cost of legal and financial advice for farm succession planning. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Andrew Donovan, Business and Technology Dry Stock Advisor, Chagask Advisory Office, Cantark in County Cork. First of all, Andrew, welcome to the programme. So any announcements regarding forthcoming events, Andrew? In regards to the green sort there, John, um, I know uh, Cork West there, Pat Fanny, uh runs part-time green source out of the McCroom County Hilti's Green Office, and he would be delighted to hear from anyone who's interested in uh, uh, participating in his green search, so you can contact Pat Fannery on 026-41604. Also, just in our own region, uh, Noreen O'Reilly uh, runs part-time green search, and she will be starting a, a part-time course there this coming autumn as well. Uh, you can contact her uh, through the Mallow office on 022-21936. Now, I understand these will be starting in uh, September, early September, I understand. This coming autumn, yeah, yeah, they'll have to speak to education officers on that, but this coming autumn anyway. Now, turning so, to your speciality, uh, Andrew, business and technology, dry stock advisor, Ken Turk, what can you tell our listeners about the National Beef Welfare Scheme? Yeah, so this is a, essentially a new beef scheme that has just opened up there uh, just over a week ago there in, in early early August. Uh, so essentially it's, it, it's, it's a one-year scheme targeted towards soccer farmers. It's the replacement for the beef scheme in reality. Um, so there's there's two mandatory actions. So with it being a one-year scheme, so that's important to note that you're you're not tied in for a long period of time. So the two mandatory actions really, uh, first one being meal feeding, similar to the similar to the beef scheme, really. So meal feeding in the sense that farmers will have to feed meal four weeks pre-weaning and two weeks post-weaning. Uh, that wouldn't be anything new. But IBR blood testing then, on top of that, is new to the scheme. So farmers will have to arrange with the vet to have blood samples taken uh, to identify the IBR status in the herd. Um, and those blood samples will be sent away to a lab. So I suppose the breakdown then after that in terms of payments, of course, uh, the ration feeding is paid at a rate of 35 euro per calf up to 40 calves. Um, and for the IBR blood testing, that's paid depending. It's paid at a maximum of 20 animals, but it depends how many in the herd. So look, it's broken up. Two to six animals are paid 120 euro per herd, and it kind of goes up to 180, 250, and up to 300, depending on the number of animals in the herd. Um, but ideally, they will be targeting animals over nine months of age for IBR testing. But look, it depends on the number of animals in the herd. So, look, that's the breakdown of what's involved. Uh, it's open until the 12th of September. So, that's the application phase. So, farmers can either apply themselves through iFood or they can talk, contact their, their local advisor and maybe have a, even have a chat about it to see how suitable the scheme is uh, to their own situation. Now, the IBR, just as a matter of interest, obviously IBR being included for testing, there must be a good reason. But just to remind farmers about the real need for IBR testing, why has IBR been included for testing? Just to confirm the reasons, good reasons, I'm sure, but just to let people know it's uh, 
an important test to have, the IBR. Yeah, well, it, yeah, look, it is new, John, to be fair. So, look, IBR, it's a, it's a very contagious upper respiratory tract that kind of sort of get into a herd. And look, ultimately, if a herd isn't at its optimal health, that's going to affect the performance of, of an animal or of the herd performance. And like last evening, that's going to affect the profitability that, uh, and the economics of, of that could be made out of the, the herd. Um, and then I suppose then on a more European-wide basis, there are certain countries in Europe that are, I suppose, have IBR-free status or are working towards IBR-free status, and we are exporting live uh, animals towards these to, to to these countries, like the likes of Netherlands, Belgium, to name a few. So I suppose you could view it as maybe a stepping stone to firstly identify the IBR status within our, the the within our own herds, uh, within the cattle industry, the cattle sector itself. And it probably is indications that it's a stepping stone towards uh, IBR feed status uh, within, a, within our own country. But uh, like the starting points for the farmer really is just to send away the blood samples and see what the story is in with your own herd. And then from there, uh, have the conversation with the vet to see what necessary actions may be needed by way of maybe vaccination or, or what, or is IBR even an issue in the herd? So I suppose that's the first protocol. Worry about your own herd first, but I suppose that's that's what that's why it's being it is being looked at. To focus on getting these samples, how can farmers go about actually getting the samples? Just to uh, to focus on on the IBR testing aspect of things. Yeah. So look, obviously, firstly, the farmers apply for the scheme. But then the responsibility does fall back in the farmer to contact his vet, his practicing veterinary practitioner, uh, to actually uh, arrange these blood samples to be taken. Um, So look, these blood samples need to be gone in before the 1st of November this year. Um, So look, we have a couple of months, but it won't be long catching up on us. So to actually contact the vet, uh, and have the discussion with the vet which which animals will be will be blood tested and uh, from there once they are blood tested and the vet calls out and they're blood tested those samples can be sent away to to a lab and the results will come back thereafter and the, then again discussion will be had what what necessary action will need to be taken. Something we mentioned at the start of our conversation, Andrew, speaking to Mr. Andrew Donovan, Business and Technology Dry Stock Advisor, Chagas Advisory Office, Kanturk in County Cork. Andrew, I understand uh, the Mallow Office and the Office of Mass Cork, the Chagas offices there, there's information available about a green cert course. Would you please confirm the personnel uh, contacts? So I suppose just firstly, uh, Cork East, Noreen, Noreen Arati runs that course out of more part from I and, and uh, in the Mallow office as well. So that's the part-time green store course which Noreen will be running this coming autumn. So you can contact Noreen in the Mallow office number at 022-21936 um, or, or you can also just contact your, your local office or your, your local advisor and you'll be pointing in the right direction. Uh, in the Carquest office or Carquest region rather, uh, Patrick Flannery's education officer there. Uh, Pat runs that green from, from between the McCroom, Skirina, County Kilty office. So anyone interested in, uh, in participating in Pat's uh, course, you can contact him on 026 416 
That's Grant. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Andrew Donovan, Business and Technology Dry Stock Advisor, Chagask Office in Canterbury, County Cork. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. Thanks a million. Perfect. Thanks, John. You're welcome. The new National Fertiliser Database is now open. From September 1st, any farmer or other professional fertiliser end user who wishes to purchase fertiliser, including lime, must be registered as a professional fertiliser end user with the department. The following website will give more details for registration, and that's agfood.ie, all lowercase. Mr. Seamus O'Malley, Dairy Gold, Head of Commercial Agribusiness, has more on registration on the fertiliser database. Okay, so the fertiliser register database um, has been introduced into uh, legislation in recent um, days with um, the, the veterinary medicines um, bill as well. So they've been, they, they came through together. But the, the department at this stage now are prioritising um, the implementation of this. And I thought just in terms of why they're doing it, um, as the legislation ensures a national fertiliser database which will help um, government meet a commitment uh, that Ireland, uh, uh, you know, holds on to its uh, nitrates derogation. So, you know, really and truly, that's probably the most important reason for it. Um, on a positive note, I suppose it'll help farmers reduce their administration burden for both nitrates and upcoming eco-schemes because uh, the data relating to the fertiliser will already, um, you know, be, uh, be in the ag food database. And uh, I suppose as in terms of government policy, I suppose that's supporting farmers to reduce fertiliser use and possibly to understand where fertiliser is being used in terms of water catchments and, and, and uh, what they're trying to achieve in terms of improved water quality. And look, generally, I suppose to inform government policy as part of its um, climate action plan. And, you know, I suppose look at the co-ops uh, as, as, as a, a group um, through ICAS you know, I, you know, they're probably supportive. You know, in a broad level of the of the database, but you know, understand uh, as well. Um, you know, that it's it, it's a it's a further change for the farmers, and it's a change for us as well. But uh, look, the preserving that nitrates derogation is the most important thing for all of us, and you know, we've been negotiating with the department to make it as easy as possible for farmers. I understand, Seamus, the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine will be actively explaining to farmers how they can register on this new fertiliser registration database. Yeah, so look, um, to be fair, um, the department are going to conduct their own um, communications campaign in terms of there will be letters to farmers and merchants. I I understand there's going to be, you know, communication events. They're going to get the ploughing. So that will be one-to-one contact um, we've been undertaking training with our own area sales managers in recent weeks. Um, you know, we're gathering questions from farmers as they arise. We're submitting them to the department and we're creating a frequently asked questions list. And, you know, we've had, you know, some of those we submitted to, to the department themselves. And on, the, on their own website, if you do, even if you just type in fertilizer register in, into Google, you'll, 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 it'll bring you fairly quickly into the department's own um, you know, suite of information on it. Um, I thought that, you know, there's a few key milestone dates that, that farmers need to be aware of, but I don't, I don't think they need to be too worried in the sense that most farmers doing their business right, um, there's going to be no um, significant change. Um, I thought it might be worth noting to the listeners, uh, 
a couple of important new terms uh, uh, and a couple of important new dates uh, so just that they're aware of so you know farmers primarily with the department are um, you know the herd number is the main identifier that, that is used and in this case as well you know fertilizer um, in user SEU uh, will equate in most cases for most farmers to their, to their herd number so that's the that's the kind of the how would you say the close peg for, for, for holding all of this together um, and the key dates for farmers to recognise are the 24th of July in terms of you know the red, the database is, has been opened up it's available for both farmers and uh, professional end users to um, to register so that's on a farmer's own ag food database and all farmers register their calves through that and um, and another key date in is the 1st of September. So on the 1st of September, um, you know, all co-ops and all merchants must start tracking the sales data uh, for reporting to the register. And at the end of each month, then, they must submit reconciled um, sales data to the, to the department. And that would be, you know, quantity of fertilizer, um, the type of fertilizer, and uh, you know the, the 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 brand of that fertilizer, so and it's linked obviously to the herd number. And um, I think farmers are already aware, you know, when they're buying, you know, and some of the pesticides uh, and 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 some sprays now that they're having to submit um, their herd number. So this this will be something similar. We we from the first of September we won't be able to sell fertilizer without having a herd number attached to it. Um, uh, so the second key date, and probably the, the most important key date, is for the farmer. And um, the end of the fertilizer year is obviously the the 14th of September at 23:59, uh, one minute to midnight. So at that point, um, the department are expecting farmers to register a closing stock. So how much fertilizer you have in your yard at that point of time? And then for most farmers, that won't be a lot. Um, uh, as in most farmers will have used their stock of fertilizer at that point and they have until the middle of October then October 15th to uh, register that data with the department and I suppose the key thing there is whether or not they buy fertilizer or have fertilizer they must still um, register the stock so if the stock is nil you know they have to um, register the, that is nil on their database and you know for many farmers they'll do it themselves and if they don't do it themselves well they can you know they can ask their tragisk advisor or their private uh, advisor to register that stock for them and um, you know I suppose that uh, thereafter then um, um, looking out into next year um, each month then um, uh, sales data from you know, all resellers of fertilizer on the island will will be submitted to the Department of Agriculture. Farmers who buy fertilizer as such or lime without being registered on the National Fertilizer Database, they'll be breaking the law from the 1st of September. There will be a fertilizer catalogue. Um, I think it's it's uh, managed, I think the, the, the name of the department, and that is Finbar Regan, but the fertilizer catalogue and uh, you know, there's a definition for fertilizer. Uh, you know, but fertilizer and lime products. And lime, obviously, is a very good thing. So, you know, the quantity of lime and where it's being applied, and and uh, you know, there's a huge interest nationally now in terms of um, 
soil health and look in the greater scheme of things maybe over a long period of time you know we you know we've all been maybe putting out um a lot of nitrogen at times to compensate maybe for lower values of pmk in in other areas and look you know if, if people understand their 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 the soil health and, and the chemical and uh, biological health of their soil you know you can actually um you know get the same amount of grass with a little bit less nitrogen and you know we've seen that with the application of new technologies like the the, the low emission slurry spreading the the application of clovers um you know the grass 10 type technology updates in terms of uh you know 10 grazings per year you know the, the, there's a lot of technology has come along to show farmers you know new ways of uh you know using their fertilizer and we, 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 like, we learned an awful lot there probably last year when fertilizer was very expensive. It's re, you know, um, farmers learned to to use uh, it, it less. I suppose the disappointing thing though, and we're seeing is uh, is that the P and K um, levels on farms has has reduced over the last two years. So we we do need to work on getting those balances right, but. If we do that, I, I, I don't think we've, any farmer has any worry to, uh, with this. So I think most farmers are operating, to be fair, within their derogation. They're trying to do a good job. Um, they're, you know, they're trying to farm in an environmentally friendly way. And uh, you know, I don't think uh, there's anything to fear. And you know, in terms of the fertilizer register, or, or in terms of their soil health, you know, or, or we have a team of uh, advisors well trained on that uh, to, to, to support farmers on that and I suppose there's also a lot of knowledge coming through our uh, joint programme with our um, with our Chagask advisors and uh, so we also have a team of um, ASAP advisors I suppose they, they, they've been um, they're, they're supporting farmers as well in terms of um, you know trying to come up with ways to reduce impact on water quality so they're there to help farmers in that space as well Soil sampling and Lumberstone Lab. So just just in terms of a general overview, you know, despite uh, you know all the how, the advances that have been made, you know, you know, eighty percent of our soils are still suboptimal for soil health. So that's an opportunity. Fifty-five percent of soils have low potassium levels. Sixty-two percent of soils in our area are below the optimum level of lime. So without spending money on extra nitrogen there's a good opportunity to improve productivity of soils. Uh, look at the trends in our own lab laboratory over the last number of years, between 2015 and 2019. You know, some gains were made. I think farmers invested in their farms, you know, post-quota, they invested more in P&K and they got that an extra gra- grass growth out of the farm. But I think in the, the last year and a half or so, um, we, we, we're definitely seeing a decline in P&K and a, 40, a 14% drop in that kind of you know, PK balance month of August. You know, farmers do need to be building grass. Um, I suppose from a nitrogen point of view, nitrogen go out now. A kilo of nitrogen will go 25 kilos of, of grass, you know, in September. I know the 10 or 15 kilos of grass that will grow. So, you know, it's definitely time to top up in that space. But in terms of P and K, um, you know, there's really only a, a few weeks. And I suppose we would be advising farmers if they have a phosphorus ban- um, allowance uh, under nutrient management plan to get out a little bit of phosphorus now get out a bit of slurry or, or and potash as well perhaps and uh, you know it's a good time now to get out uh, compounds like um, you know 27, 25, 18, 6, 12 uh, or 10, 10, 20 
during August, assuming you have a, a, an allowance. Because, you know, once the September comes again, you'll be closing off. And, and uh, you know, most farmers go out in January, think about, uh, you know, they think about urea again, or protect, you know, protected urea. So they may not get the opportunity to top it up. So now is a good time to top, top soils up on those. And if they need help with their soil certs, um, you know, be it from, you know, from any lab, we, we're there to help with that. But uh, we also have, um, as you know, we've, uh, we have our grassroots sustainability program and there's, there's six pillars under that. And uh, two of those pillars, I suppose, relate to the agri side in terms of, you know, the protected urea and farmers really have moved in the space of, of, of moving towards protected urea and that, that kind of gives an 79% reduction in emissions in greenhouse gases so that's really a, a big win in terms of climate impact uh, but also in terms of soil health in terms of where we're subsidising farmers with sampling and uh, you know it, it, it's a good investment and we have contractors available to um, go out and soil, do the soil sampling for you because it is a job I think that we've, that we've learned that Farm, people don't like doing so we have specialist people now to do it and for the first time now this year we will be you know digitally mapping and geo, geo uh, tagging um, those soils uh, as well uh, to ensure you know full traceability around that so you know we're improving all the time but we're doing it for 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 our members really thank you very much indeed mr shame somali dairy gould head of commercial agribusiness at dairy gould thank you shame very much indeed thanks a million Thank you, John. You're welcome. We are joined on the Farm Talk programme by Mr. Noel Barden, Irish Farmers Journal news correspondent. First of all, Noel, welcome to the programme. Now, the results of an extensive survey are published in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. The survey includes feedback on relative support in the farming community for the existing political parties and for a new farmers' political party, should one emerge. First off, this is a survey of nearly 2,000 farmers that was conducted by the Irish Farmers Journal and validated by IFAC. So we're talking about quite a few farmers and they were asked these questions just in the last couple of days of July. So I suppose the main headline, the standout figure that came through would be that three in four farmers said that they would vote for a farmers party if they were presented with that option on um, their ballot going to the polls in the next general election. Um, so that was 72% of farmers that said that they gave their first preference vote to a farmers party. Now, of course, they're not referring specifically to any one party or any party that's set up already. It was kind of a hypothetical question. And the reason for asking the question, I suppose, would come because we've seen in the Netherlands back in March, um, the Farmer Citizen Party, which was only set up a couple of years ago with the BBB, as it's known, um, that kind of swept to an election victory there that was quite a shock. And it was picked up all over Europe as kind of the, the first time that a party specifically for farmers had seen um, such waves, really, uh, in national elections. And when we come back to the established parties in Ireland and the, the political parties that are already set up and that people know already, um, we see that uh, for Fine Gael, um, it dropped four points down to 34%. 
um, and independents are on the rise. And essentially, if, if the independents were all in the one party, uh, they would be at 24%, and they would be second to Fine Gael. Fianna Fáil dropped through points down to 23%, and Sinn Féin are kind of remaining static in and around 12%, which is very similar to what we would have seen previously. Well, certainly very interesting survey there. Another type of report, details published in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, some of the key points in that report that almost 80% of farmers fear an income drop in 2023, 50% of farmers surveyed said they've used less fertiliser so far this year, and the rising cost of living is affecting a massive 98% of Irish farming households. 50% of farmers surveyed say they're open to going organic in the next five years. And deer, not surprisingly in some areas, causing problems for over 30% of farmers. And uh, another key point from that report, one in five farmers considering planting trees under the state's new 1.3 billion euro forestry programme, which we covered uh, last week in Farm Talk with um, John Casey from uh, Chagask. Almost 80% of farmers fearing an income drop in 2023. Have you any more details on that figure outlined in this week's journal? Yeah, absolutely. Now, it doesn't make for very uh, optimistic reading, uh, but unfortunately that is what farmers are reporting. So 79% of farmers uh, expect that their income will be lower in 2023 than it was in 2022. And if we look at the farmers left over, only 4% expect that to rise and the other bulk of them expect it to stay the same. Now, I suppose the, the attitudes would be most pessimistic in the dairy and tillage sectors. Uh, there's the majority of um, farmers in these sectors expect their income to expect to take an income hit of more than 20% on what they would have made in 2022. I suppose for, on the dairy side of things, we're seeing milk prices falling, but input costs are still staying high. They're, they're very sticky there. Uh, they would have rose very significantly last year, but milk prices would have been relatively high and it would have balanced it out. On the tillage sector, we're seeing much the same problems there with input costs. But then we're also seeing the fairly tough situation that the sector's in at the minute trying to get the harvest in and dealing with any of the quality or yield issues that the recent weather that we've had, the the the, the rainfall right through July is having on the harvest. Um, the suckler and sheep sectors, they aren't reporting that they're going to see as big of an income drop as the tillage and dairy sectors, but it's still not very good news for those sectors there. They are kind of hoping to stay the same, but most of them are still expecting a, a decline, a small enough decline in income. Um, and these results, they come, so that's what farmers think is going to happen, what they're kind of expecting. But if you look at Chagask as well, they came out there a couple of weeks ago with a mid-year farm income report. And it's kind of showing much the same thing. It's expecting a sharp fall in dairy and tillage incomes. It said these falls could be as much as 50% in a lot of cases. Um, but what it did say about the beef and sheep sectors is that the new farm schemes that were rolled out, um, they might just be enough there to to keep um, sheep and beef farms 
kind of stable. Um, and then looking across to some of the other bits and pieces that you you would have mentioned, um, and this could kind of tie into the whole outlook for the sector, the whole cost pressure that farmers are under. Half of farmers report that they're using less fertiliser this year than they did last year. And I think it's important to bear in mind with this one that 2022 was a quite a low year for fertiliser usage. Fertiliser use was down about 20% across the board. So to hear that half of farmers are kind of reducing this again and 40% are going to stay at that lower level, um, it does show that there is the potential there for you know maybe an output drop. Um, although maybe far- farmers, to a certain extent, they can be just using the fertiliser that they are using more efficiently. And then this again follows on to the next kind of piece there on organics. Uh, half of all farmers that we surveyed, and again, that was 2,000 farmers that were surveyed, quite a number, half of those said that they would be open to going organic, that it's something that they would consider. It's not that they are going into organic, but they are thinking about it. They're, they're con- kind of taking a step back and looking to see if it is a viable option for them. And that would be mostly weighted towards the beef and sheep sectors. Of course, there are lower margins. We see it year on year that um, the returns that are there for for dairy and just aren't there for the dry stock sector. And then a further one-fifth of farmers are considering forestry. Um, and this will come just kind of as the afforestation element of the state's new 1.3 billion five-year plan for forestry right up until 2027 was approved by the EU. So the new um, for, the new forestry programme for the state will be opening over the, the coming weeks. So there's quite a bit there. Um, it, it isn't the brightest picture but it does show that farmers are kind of trying to work around these tough economic conditions the best way they are by reducing fertiliser use and then kind of considering there are other options there, whether organics or forestry could be an option. The new fertiliser database registration, that's all towards our retaining the derogation we have at the moment. We're trying to convince the European Union and the authorities that in fact we are complying with all the necessary protective measures for good quality water and in that way hopefully Touchwood hold on to the present derogation levels we have. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of an ongoing story. There's no major developments or major news with it yet. Um, I wouldn't call it a standoff, but we're just kind of waiting to see what the next move will be. So um, the EPA, of course, came out with its report. The the very famous maps were in it, um, outlining the areas in red that it thinks um, has met the conditions that it needs to drop the maximum derogation stocking rate from 250 kilos of nitrogen per hectare down to 220. So a drop of 30 kilos. Um, and the vast majority of the country ended up in this map. Um, then since that, there hasn't been a whole lot said about it publicly by the European Commission or by the department Um I suppose it's kind of a wait and see and we are really waiting here to see what the developments are but we would expect a decision within the coming maybe month or two on whether stocking rates will have to fall on derogation farms and see what other measures that 
might have to be brought in if a farmer wants to enter derogation there might be additional conditions attached to this so I suppose the farms that are in us now will know there's been new bits and pieces added over the past two or three years um, around the use of low emission slurry spreading, the use of clover when reseeding and even around cutting hedges and on the biodiversity side of things um, so there's a lot weighing on this decision but you know we're kind of waiting to see what way it'll go it's quite uncertain at this stage Politicians would refer to the very recent EPA pronouncement that Irish drinking water, the quality of our drinking water was quite high whatever about the EPA interpretation of any studies they've carried out our drinking water, which is a very nice thing to hear, the human drinking water, the quality is quite high Um, Yeah, I suppose um what you'd hear the the farming organisations and certain politicians saying about the derogation and kind of context that they might be adding would be that Ireland is one of the best water qualities in the EU um, and that there is quite a lot of testing goes on and rightly so um, and that even though water quality may be stable it might not be improving a whole lot at the minute it, it, it is fairly stable that um, we are starting from a, a, a relatively high base, I suppose you could say, um, from a from a starting point, kind of. Um, and something else, I suppose, that would be very unique to Ireland is, of course, our grass-based system and the way that grazing and maintaining high stocking rates, in some cases, kind of feeds into this grass-based system and allows farms to remain viable when grazing and not having to look to kind of go down the road that maybe other countries would have went down of of housing cattle year round and going round the going down the route of permanent kind of confinement and those big shed systems. Senator Jim Lombard, he's been appealing to EU Commission officials to come to Ireland and look at that grass-based uh, pasture production system you refer to and in that way, by actually looking at the real situation in Ireland, they might be more amenable to allowing us to retain our current um, 250 derogation limit. Yeah, we've seen a lot of similar calls made over the past couple of months. Even Minister McConnell invited some of the Commission officials. So these would be kind of the civil servants that are providing information maybe to the decision makers within the European Commission who's ultimately kind of um, going to give the go-ahead or not on whether we can keep it. Um, There hasn't been anything heard back as far as I know. There hasn't been anything kind of reported on it. Um, But there have also been calls for the commissioners themselves. So these would be the, the people who really hold the power in the European Commission to come over and just see Ireland and to kind of see that um, as we were saying that it is a grazing system the high stocking rates can lend itself to, especially in dairy and to um, keeping cows out of grass and not kind of confining them to sheds for the whole year or for very significant amounts of it. Um, so that's it. I suppose another one that we're watching and just waiting to see if we do hear anything on it. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you indeed for all that valuable information and your interpretation of those reports, details in this week's Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Noel, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John.
And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. The programme researched, edited, produced and presented by myself, John O'Connor. The farm programme, 7am to 8am, Saturday mornings, and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.